0: to stand. We're going to read all 17 verses tonight, but I'll read it quickly, and uh, and it won't take us but just a moment to get through this, but I believe uh, if we read all 17 verses, it will give us some good context tonight. And so, Matthew chapter 3, and look at verse number 1, if you will. The Bible says, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem, and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, Come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our Father, For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid under the root of the trees, therefore every tree which bringeth forth not uh, with, which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor. And we're going to get into that, not tonight, but we'll get into this a little bit later on down the road. Whose fan is in his hand, And he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now notice the next few verses. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And you may be seated tonight. And I want to talk to you a little bit more about that subject, the doctrine of baptisms. And, you know, how in the world could you talk about something like this and get anything at all out of it? You know, how, how, could, how could something like this be exciting to talk about? Well, you know what? Anytime you talk about this book, it's exciting. And uh, But you know what? Truth of the matter is, I found myself getting excited about trying to give you some things tonight because, uh, you know what, we'll not only give you, you know, just what this is talking about, but I believe we'll give you some practical instruction tonight and I believe it'll be helpful to you this evening. So I want to talk to you about the doctrine of baptisms and specifically I want to talk to you about the baptism of Jesus tonight. The baptism of Jesus. And uh, and so let's go to the Lord in prayer and I'm just going to give you two thoughts tonight. That's it and we're going to go. But uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him for his help. We'll jump right into the Bible study tonight. And so Father, we thank you so much for... Uh, your goodness and for the opportunity to be back at Calvary again tonight, and Lord, it's been a good night. We thank you for the mission's emphasis, and Lord, thank you for reminding us once again, Lord, as you did through the uh, Operation Christmas Child. I believe it. I believe it just continued to remind us that we are so blessed in America. And then, Lord, tonight, Lord, just reading the coolies about the coolies there in Liechtenstein and and Switzerland and Germany and Austria. And beautiful places, just absolutely gorgeous, uh, but, Lord, spiritually dead and without the gospel. And, Lord, people that not only need the gospel, but people that are somewhat close to the gospel. And so, Father, we pray for the coolies tonight, that you'll bless them and encourage them. And then, Lord, we think about our brothers and sisters in places like North Korea. We think about those that are literally being crucified I mean today, right now, being crucified in places like the Sudan and Ethiopia. And we think about missionaries like the Shuf family that we have supported. Lord, being ousted out of Rwanda and having to just pick up their belongings and their family and move over to Uganda. And Lord, uh, there's a lot of persecution going on, a lot of martyrdom going on. And so Lord, we pray for those that are in difficult places tonight, that you would bless them and protect them. And then, Lord, we want to just turn right around and say thank you for being so wonderful to us in America. And God, to whom much is given, much is required. And what a shame, Lord, what a shame to think that you've given us the freedom to go to church freely, openly. And yet, there'll be millions of Christians around the world, around America tonight that won't take advantage of that freedom. And so, Father, we we thank you for being so wonderful. Now, Lord, I pray that you'll teach us something from the Bible tonight. And I pray it will not just be mere words, but I pray we'll say something that would be meaningful, something that would uh, be worshipful, something that would glorify you, but also something that will be helpful tonight. And so I pray that Jesus will receive glory and praise from all that's done. We pray for your power In your direction now we love you and praise you in Jesus name we pray and for his sake and all God's people said amen Now we've been away from this series just for a few weeks With everything that's going on and so let me let me back up and and uh, review just for a moment So we said basically there are seven baptisms mentioned in the word of God And we're only in this series we're only going to deal with with about three or four of those baptisms now, so far, we've dealt, with, uh, we've dealt with two. Number one, we talked about the baptism of John, what the baptism of John was all about. And then we took a little time to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I enjoyed both. I'll tell you what, it was a blessing just to, to, to do a little digging and to talk about both uh, of those baptisms. Tonight, though, we want to change gears, and i want to talk to you about the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, interesting here, and if you look back at your Bible tonight, Matthew, the book of Matthew, look back just a little uh, back further from where we started tonight, for instance, look back at Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 21, Matthew 2 verse 21, the Bible says, and he arose, talking about Joseph, Joseph, and he arose and took the young child, talking about Jesus, uh, and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. So Between Matthew chapter 2 and verse 21 and Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 1 may seem like a short little span, but actually there's about 30 years between Matthew chapter 2 verse 21 and Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 1. And the Bible uh, records practically uh, almost nothing about the life of Jesus Christ in those first 30 years of his life. Now we'll have a little bit, a little bit. The, the Bible gives us a, a few windows into his life. You could, we won't tonight, but you could go to Luke chapter 2. And Luke chapter 2 is the story where uh, Joseph and Mary and Jesus and a lot of their family go up to Jerusalem for the Passover, and, uh, and uh, Joseph and Mary, being like a lot of us, they, they just thought that Jesus was hanging out with his cousins and, and uh, you know, aunts and uncles. And, and so they started back from the Passover back to Nazareth, and they got, they, you know, they got a little ways away. They got a pretty good little ways away, and they began to look for Jesus, couldn't find him. And uh, now what are you going how, how are you going to explain that to God? How are you going to tell God I lost I lost the Christ child? I mean, you know. And so they have to go back to back to Jerusalem and they find Jesus, remember that? And they find him in the temple. They look for him for several days, find him in the temple. And he's in the temple and he's talking to the doctors and the lawyers and and they're asking him questions and he's asking questions and he's giving answers. And the Bible says they're astonished, you know, because he's speaking with authority and wisdom and uh, and but that's a that's about that's about the only window that we have into that 30 years uh you know Jesus was 12 years old when that happened and and that's about the only window we have and so we go in Matthew chapter 2 from the Lord Jesus being the uh, Lord Jesus being a child to Matthew chapter 3 where the Lord Jesus is 30 years old and uh, now and this is the reason I even said all of that, was to say this, that in Matthew chapter 3, when the Lord Jesus walks out onto the scene, almost immediately, the very first thing the Bible records is his baptism. Now, you think about it. For 30 years, we've not heard anything about him, and then all of a sudden, the Lord walks out uh, onto the scene, John the Baptist is preaching repentance, and Jesus walks out uh, onto the scene, and then after that, life is never the same. And one of the very first things the Bible records is Jesus is baptized. Now here's the question tonight: why was Jesus baptized? What was the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ <clears throat> being baptized? I asked somebody that just a, a week or two ago, and I said, What do you think? What do you why do you think Jesus was baptized? And and they said, Well. Preacher, uh, I would say probably for example, to set the example. He did it to, to set the example. <clears throat> and I'm not going to say that that's a, necessarily a wrong answer tonight. But I would say this. I don't believe that that Jesus was baptized initially for the purpose of example. Think about this. The Lord Jesus had absolutely no sins to repent of. None at all. Not only that, but baptism is a picture of being resurrected from a life of sin. And Jesus had no life of sin to be resurrected from. And so <clears throat> I think it's okay <clears throat> if you want to say that the Lord Jesus was baptized for the purpose of the example. But I want to give you tonight, <clears throat> when I believe Scripture teaches... Uh, about why the Lord Jesus was baptized. And so we'll give you just two thoughts tonight. Number one is this, the baptism of Christ, first of all, initiated his earthly ministry. Uh, Now think about it. Jesus, for 30 years, has lived privately in Nazareth. Now, no doubt, he's building a testimony, and he's laying the foundation, and uh, after 30 years, he begins his ministry, and boy, those three years are... Uh, just unbelievable and incredible, and uh, he does many miracles. In fact, John said that if everything Jesus done had been written down, couldn't record it, there's not, not enough books in the world to record everything that he did. But upon the baptism of Christ, He is, if you will, catapulted into full-blown ministry. His life and reputation will never be the same after that baptism. He's recognized as the Son of God, as the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And you think about this. After his baptism, Jesus would never be looked at the same way. That baptism served as, if you will, a type of anointing for the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, if you will, again, in Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 16. The Bible says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and, lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and look at these words, and lighting upon him. And, lo, a voice from heaven... Uh, Of course, the Heavenly Father. And by the way, this is one of the first places that we see the Trinity uh, unveiled. Uh, And Lord, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And so that baptism served, if you will, as an anointing for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we won't do it tonight, but if you went back to Exodus chapter 29, you'd find out that back in Old Testament days when that Old Testament priest before he, was, uh, uh, before he would officially begin that ministry as priest, it was necessary that the Old Testament priest experience an anointing. And that anointing sanctified the priest or set the priest aside for special service. And I believe tonight, according to the Word of God, that's exactly what the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ did. It was a special anointing, if you will. And it would officially set the Lord apart for his earthly ministry. And you check it out. Just read it. Don't take my word for it. You read it for yourself. But after the Lord Jesus Christ was baptized, his ministry went to a a new level, if we could say it like that. It went to a new level. And people begin to hear about him, and people begin begin to learn about him, and all the miracles begin to start, and Jesus begin to save, and Jesus begin to heal, and Jesus begin to begin to do all the miracles that are recorded in the gospel. Now, here's the, here's the what I'm going to call the practical application tonight. You said, preacher, what does that have to do with me? Uh, all right, so uh, Jesus' baptism initiated his earthly ministry. But is there any way that that we can apply that to you and I? And I believe there is. Did you know that those who follow in believer's baptism always seem to go on to accomplish greater things for the cause of Jesus Christ? I'm not saying tonight that you uh, you have to get baptized to be saved. I'm not saying that at all. People can uh, come to the Lord, trust the Lord, and never be baptized and go to heaven. I believe that. But I, don't, but I also believe this. I believe to that Christian who gets born again and then is willing to say, you know what, I want to take that next step and I want to get baptized. You know what I believe? I believe they begin to grow in their Christian life, unlike those who do not get baptized. Now, they're still saved, both saved. But those who go on to be baptized, I believe they go on to a new level of service. And that baptism serves as sanctification, just like that anointing. It serves as sanctification for service. And this is the reason why I believe it's so important. Because by agreeing to be baptized, you know what that Christian is doing? They're submitting to a higher level of commitment. Now think about it. Did you know it's hard to have a happy marriage if you're not first willing to commit to marriage? If you want to have a happy marriage, you got to be willing to make a commitment. Yeah, right. And, the, and the, the, the truth of the matter is, there's a lot of couples in America that are unhappy, and one of the reasons they're unhappy is because they're not willing to make a commitment but when that couple says, you know what, honey, I love you. Well, sweetheart, I love you too. And you know what we're going to do? We're going we're to we're make a full commitment and acknowledge it by holy matrimony. And you know what happen, happens? It takes their relationship to a whole different level. That's exactly what baptism does. And so I just, I just say, that, say, that, say this tonight. You know what, if you're here tonight and you've been saved, but you've never been baptized, it's time to get with it. Amen. Amen. You say, well, preacher, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Is that not enough? Not really. Now, baptism doesn't add to your salvation. You don't get saved by getting baptized, but I, I, just, but I, I believe this with all of my heart. When you get saved and then knowing that Scripture teaches that we need to take, uh, to take part with that ordinance, Uh, You know what, when you come to that place and you say, Lord, you know what, whatever, whatever it takes, I'm willing to do it. And so, Lord, if if the next step of obedience is is being baptized, following you in baptism, that's what I want to do. And you know what, when you come to that place and you say, God, you you just tell me what you want me to do, I'll do it. And God says, I want you to get baptized. You know what, when you say, Lord, I'm going to do it, I'll commit, i commit. You know what, God blesses that and God begins to bless your ministry, and God begins to bless your Christian growth, and God begins to bless your Christian life, and you begin to grow in a greater way. God sees that commitment and begins to use you and I in a greater way. So number one, the baptism of Christ initiated his earthly ministry. You know what? A lot of folks don't grow. I I think a lot of folks don't grow because they never want to get saved but they didn't want to take that next step of commitment. I've had people get saved here at Calvary, and they'd say, Preacher, what do I need to do next? I I said, I think you ought to get baptized. But you know what? They never did. And by the way, some of those same folks aren't here today. And so, uh, again, it it, it serves as a type of anointing. Lord, I'm going to commit. And and when we commit, God takes you to a a new level of use. But number two is this, and last of all is this, the baptism of Christ. But don't you miss this because this is good stuff right here. The baptism of Christ not only initiated his earthly ministry, but number two, the baptism of Christ identified Christ as a man. Now, I want to stop real quick, and I want to say something. It did not identify Christ as a sinner because Jesus Christ was not a sinner. Amen. Now, I want you to, uh, let's use our Bibles a little bit tonight. I want you to take your Bibles tonight, if you will, and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And, and, uh, and, and this is one of the reasons why, although I would not you know, debate about it or anything like that, This is one of the reasons I don't think initially Christ done it to set an example uh, because uh, Jesus was not a sinner. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 21. This is a good verse for all of us to learn and one that we need to know. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. The Bible says, For he hath made him to be sin for us. Now what does that mean? It means that God made the Lord Jesus to be a sin offering for us. Now look what it says who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so when the Lord Jesus Christ got baptized, it identified him as a man, not as a sinner, but it identified him as a man. Now, turn over to Isaiah chapter 53, if you will, and look at verse number 12. And we're getting ready to, lawless oh, listen, keep your Bibles open because we're getting ready to show you some wonderful scripture. Isaiah chapter 53, first, And look at verse number 12 tonight, Isaiah 53 and verse number 12. You say, preacher, does this even matter? You better know it matters. Uh, Listen, the baptism of Christ is an important event. And Isaiah 53, verse number 12, Therefore, will I divide him. Isaiah is prophesying about the Lord Jesus. Therefore, will I divide him a portion with the great? And he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he hath poured out his soul unto death. Look at what it says. And he was numbered with the transgressors. Not as a transgressor, but he was numbered. Uh, uh, boy, that's why you need an every word Bible right there. Amen. Uh, he was numbered with the transgressors and he bare the sin of many and made intercession yeah. For, I love the Bible, not as a transgressor, but for the transgressors. And so, what's the practical application here, preacher? Okay, so the baptism of Christ identified Jesus as a man. Big deal. You better know it's a big deal. It's a bigger deal than maybe we know it is tonight. So, the practical application is this that he is the Son of God, but he is also the Son of man. And as a man, he can empathize with his. Creation. Now, that's big. As a man, you know what that means? As a man, the Lord Jesus Christ experienced the temptation that you experience, but without sin. Now, I want you to take your Bibles tonight, if you would, and I want you to turn over to Hebrews chapter 2, and I'm getting ready ready to show you just a blessing tonight. Hebrews chapter 2 in your Bibles And look, if you will, at verse number 9 tonight. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 9. You say, Pastor, was this important that Jesus be baptized? It was. Because when Christ was baptized, it identified him with the transgressors. Not as a transgressor, but with the transgressors. It identified him as a man. Hebrews chapter 2, and look at verse number 9, if you will. The Bible says in verse 9, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Now, what does that mean? Well, angels can't die. And so Jesus was made in the likeness of man so that he could actually die. Crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Let's skip down to verse 14. The Bible says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. You know what that means right there? The devil's going to get his. So that same devil that just gives you constant problems and he's the, the, he is the thorn in your flesh, you know what the Bible's t- t- telling us there? The devil's going to get what's coming to him. Look at verse 15. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, in other words, that's supernatural a supernaturalness, which is not a word, but I'm going to make, make it a word tonight. But he took on him the what? Seed. The seed of Abraham. In other words, Jesus really was higher than the angels, but he made himself lower than angels so he could suffer death for you and I. He did not take on the nature of angels, but he took on the seed of Abraham. In other words, he became a man, a full-fledged Man, He was the Son of God, 100% Son of God, but he was also 100% the Son of Man. Yeah, Look what it says in verse 17. Oh, this is good, church. Don't miss this. Verse 17, Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconcilia- reconciliation for the sins of the people. In verse 18. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Boy, listen, go home, read that about 10 times later on, and you'll shout. You know what it's saying there? Because he is a man. He's able to succor those. Now, we don't use that word in our, in our terminology today. That word succor there means to bring aid. Because he was a man, he's able to bring aid to us. I thought about this. Brother Rodney, sitting down here on the front row, Brother Rodney's a paramedic. And uh, every week working on that ambulance and making calls and Helping people in emergencies and all those things. Now, if you, had a, if you had an emergency, you'd be, listen, you'd be a whole lot wiser to call Brother Rodney instead of calling Preacher. Right. Now, if you want me to come pray with you, you call me, I'll come pray with you. If you want me to come talk to somebody about the Lord, you call me, I'll come talk to somebody about the Lord. Uh, you know what, if, if, you're, if you're experiencing a death, you call me. I'll be glad to come, and I'll try to console you, and I'll try, to, I'll try to be there for you. But if you're having a heart attack, don't call preacher. You call Brother Rodney. You know why? Because Brother Rodney, as an EMT, as a paramedic, trained, is going to be able, this is good church, is going to be able to, to, to do a whole lot better job of bringing you aid than I ever could. You know what the Bible's saying here? You have a Savior that identifies with your temptations and your weaknesses. He was not only the Son of God, but He was 100% the Son of Man. And He was baptized so He would identify as a man. Listen to this scripture. Psalm 103 verse 13 says, Like as a father pitieth his children so the Lord pitieth them that fear him for he knoweth our frame he remembereth that we are dust you say preacher what are you trying to say this is what I'm trying to say don't raise your hand don't answer out loud has anybody suffered any kind of temptation from the devil this week anybody been tempted this week to have a thought you shouldn't have Anybody been tempted to say something this week you shouldn't say? Anybody been tempted this week to feel a way you shouldn't feel? Anybody, listen, don't answer out loud. Has anybody been under temptation where it just seemed like the devil just would not leave you alone? And you even felt, maybe you even felt guilty about the temptation and you thought, you know what, nobody understands and Lord, you don't understand. And you know what, that same Lord comes back down and says, guess what? I do understand. I was identified with the transgressors. That's the reason I was baptized because I wanted men to know that I'm not just the son of God, but I am the son of man and I suffered the same temptations and the the same problems. And by the way, the same smutty face who bought Bothers you, bothered him, and by the way, right after his baptism. And so, you say, preacher, does Jesus does Jesus understand when I'm going through the fire, going through the hard times, going through temptation, the devil won't leave me alone. Does he understand? That's exactly what this is all about. He does understand. Let me read you a story. How many, how, how many remember Paul Harvey? All the older folk do. These younger people don't know who he is. Nobody could tell, nobody could tell a story like Paul Harvey could. Listen to this. And this, this was as told by Paul Harvey. Listen to this story, and maybe you can relate. Uh, maybe this will help you. This is from Paul Harvey. Now, the man to whom I'm going to introduce you was not a, was not a Scrooge. He was a kind, decent, mostly good man generous to his family and upright in his dealings with other men, but he just didn't believe all that incarnation stuff which the churches proclaim at Christmas time. It just didn't make sense, and he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He just couldn't swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. I'm truly sorry to distress you, he told his wife, but I'm not going with you to church this Christmas Eve. He said he'd feel like a hypocrite and that he'd much rather just stay home but that he would wait up for them. And, and so he stayed and they went to the midnight service. Shortly after the family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. He went to the window to watch the flurries get heavier and heavier and then went back to, to his fireside chair and began to read his newspaper. Minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound. Then another, and then another sort of a thump or a thud. At first, he thought someone must be throwing snowballs against his living room window. But when he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled miserably in the snow. They had been caught in the storm and in a desperate search for shelter had tried to fly through his large landscape window. Well, He couldn't let the poor creatures lie there and freeze, so he remembered the barn where his children stabled their pony. That would provide a a warm shelter if he could direct the birds to it quickly. He he, uh, put on his coat and his galoshes and tramped through the deepening snow to the barn. He opened the doors wide and turned on a light, but the birds did not come in. He figured food would entice them in, so he hurried back to the house and He fetched some breadcrumbs and sprinkled them on the snow, making a a trail to the yellow-lighted, wide-open doorway of the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs and continued to flap around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around and waving his arms. Instead, they scattered in every direction except into the warm, lighted barn And then he realized that they were afraid of him. To them, he reasoned, I'm a strange and terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I'm not trying to hurt them, but but trying to help them. But how? Because any movie he made tended to frighten and confuse them. They just would not follow. They, They would not be led or shooed because they feared him. If only... I could be a bird he thought to himself and mingle with them and speak their language then I could tell them not to be afraid then I could show them the way to the safe warm to the safe warm barn but I would have to be one of them so they could see and hear and understand. At that moment, the church bells began to ring. The sound reached his ears above the sounds of the wind, and he stood there listening to the bells, listening to the bells, pealing the glad tidings of Christmas, and he sank to his knees in the snow. Church, I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes preacher preaches good, and sometimes preacher preach don't preach so good, but I'm telling you what, man, you talk about a great truth I'm preaching tonight. I am so glad tonight that we don't serve some kind of a monster Amen. in heaven. And that's what, that's what average America thinks, that, you know what, God's in heaven, long, gray beard, lightning bolts in his hand, you know, just waiting for you to make a mistake so he can strike you down. Let me tell you something, that's not the God we serve at all. Right. Did you know that God sent his only son? He was not only the son of God, but he was the son of man. And he wanted you to know that, you know what? I identify with you. I understand you. I understand what you're going through. I understand your problems. I understand your weaknesses. I understand your temptations. And so when the Lord Jesus Christ was baptized, he was baptized as a way of identifying with you, And with me. Now we're done. But let me close on this note. Just like Christ was baptized to be identified with you and I, so should we be willing to identify with our Savior tonight. Unashamedly, boldly, and I'll be honest with you, God sort of convicted my heart about this even in the last few days that you know what, I need to start speaking up more than I speak up now and just start letting people know, I'm a Christian. Right. You know what? You can sort of like that or lump that, and I don't mean to be unkind about it, but you know what, church? It might be good if we just go ahead and let people know right up front, I'm from the church. Amen. I'm going to church. I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm born again. And that's that, listen, that's what baptism does. It identifies us with our Savior. Let me ask you a question. What message would it send if a spouse was unwilling to wear their wedding band. So here's a guy that says to his fiancée, he says, honey, I'll tell you what, I, I want to marry you. She says, oh, honey, that's so wonderful. I want to marry you, sweetheart. I love you. I want to marry you. And boy, she just, she's so glad. But then he says, but now, I want you to understand a few things. I'm not going to wear a wedding band. Because I don't want people to know that I'm married to you. I want you to know this as well, honey, that uh, we will eat together at home, but I'll never take you out anywhere. Because I don't want anybody to see us out together. And honey, on top of that, I just want to let you know that I'll be glad to talk to you at home, but we'll never talk out outside of the house. Because I don't want our relationship to be public, only private. I'll be glad to be married to you. I'm going somewhere. I'll be glad to be married to you, but only in private, never in public. You say, preacher, that is absolutely insane. You're right. You're right. But that's how the average Christian lives today. Lord, I'll be glad for you to save me. Lord, I'll be glad for you to give me salvation. Hey, Lord, I'll be glad for you to save me from hell as long as you understand something. Don't expect me to say anything to work about you. And don't expect me to get baptized. Oh, that'll mess my hair up. I'll have to get wet to do that. That'll inconvenience me for four and a half minutes. And so, Lord, I would be glad for you to save me, but don't expect for me to witness, and don't expect for me to go to church every Sunday, and don't expect for me to be a Christian. I'll be glad to be a Christian in private, but not in public. Right. And I want to ask you a question: just like it would make that spouse their heart hurt, it makes the Savior hurt. That's good. Let me give you some scripture. Matthew chapter ten, verse thirty-two says, "Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men." him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Now, now we're done. This, this is awesome. Jesus didn't have to be baptized. But he chose to be baptized. And one of the reasons was when he was baptized, he identified himself With you and I. And you know what? If our Savior is willing, listen, (laughs) I don't know y'all, but I know me. And if my Savior is willing to identify with me, the least I could do is identify with him. Man, what a Savior. What a Savior tonight. Father, we thank you for your blessings. Lord, I thank you for this Bible study tonight. I hope I made sense tonight, Lord. Lord, I, I thank you for being baptized. Lord, it, it, it initiated your ministry. It, 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 it served as a, as a catapult. It, it, uh, Lord, uh, people began to know about you, and people begin to hear about you, and we begin to see power, and we begin to see miracles after that baptism. And God, if there's any here tonight that have been saved, but they've never taken that first step of commitment, they've never taken that first step of of obedience and been baptized, Lord, you know what? There ought to be some folks that ought to come tonight during this invitation. They ought to come tonight and just come up here to the pastor and shake my hand and say, Preacher, I've been saved, but I've never been baptized, and I I need to be. I need to take that step of commitment. But then, Lord, we thank you that you were baptized as a way, as a, as a way of identifying with, with sinful man. You were not sinful man, but you identified with sinful man. Lord, you suffered the same temptations, the same problems, the same hurts, and yet you did it without sin. Lord, you know what that, that tells me, though? That tells me that when I stumble and when I fall, I can go to you and ask for forgiveness. And God, you, you understand. Lord, you, you pity me like a, a father pities his child. You know my frame. You remember that I'm dust. God, I'm so glad that you're a God of mercy and a God of forgiveness. Maybe there's somebody here in this congregation tonight that needs to come down to this old-fashioned altar and claim that forgiveness and that mercy. Maybe somebody's got off track. Maybe somebody's messed up. Maybe somebody's backslid. Maybe somebody's away from the will of God and they just sort of felt like that you didn't understand and that you were mad at them. And tonight, maybe they need to come down to this old-fashioned altar and just claim the mercy of the Lord and tonight get back in the will of God. Father, I pray you have your way in the invitation and uh, Lord, help us to, to do what your Holy Spirit's leading us to do and we thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand tonight. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. The pianists will play. And we're not going to prolong the invitation tonight. But it could be there's somebody here this evening. God's dealing with your heart. And if you need to come, the altar's open. I'm going to make my way to the main floor tonight. Maybe somebody here tonight needs prayer. And we'll be glad to pray with you tonight. And so you come tonight while we wait.